Hi, and welcome to the Mind Affinity podcast. Today, I'm talking to Zoe Knight from Zoe Knight Coaching. And we're going to be finding out a little bit about her journey and her story and what she wants to share with the world. So we'll be right back after this. The mind is capable of amazing things, and yet so many people use that immense power to hold themselves back. Imagine what you could achieve harnessing that power and using it to push yourself forward. This is the Mind Affinity Podcast, the place for advice and inspiration to help you empower yourself. Hi Zoe, thanks very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good today, thank you. Good, glad to hear it. So let's just jump straight in. Who is Zoe Knight? What do you do? And why do you do it? So I am a life coach. And I work with people that have come out of a long-term relationship and I help them to prioritise themselves again. So I help them to shed the elements of their past that no longer serve them, uh, let go of any guilt and regret, and to move confidently forward into a future aligned with them. Excellent. That sounds cool. So why do you do that? Uh, I do that, well, I decided to specialise in, in that kind of niche because it's a journey I know really well. So I've been there, done that type thing, and... I feel that I did it in a fairly successful way, in the sense that I didn't go to a really dark and damaged place. So I understand it, I can relate to it, but I can help people move on. So you said you're a life coach, which is a label of sorts. Mm -hmm. For the people who are listening that have no idea what a life coach is, explain that to us. Yeah, I struggle with that label myself, to be honest, because it feels very loose. Um, but I haven't yet defined a better one myself. So a life coach can help you in any area of your life, really. I associate it with more personal elements of your life compared to a business coach that helps you specifically with business elements. However, they are obviously related because most of the time the business is you. Um, you are the part of your business. So when there are things stuck with your business, you need to work on the person. So <clears throat> my approach is very much about like the person-centered stuff. Uh, does that explain what a life coach is? Hmm. I sometimes explain it that <clears throat> when you're trying to get somewhere and you feel stuck, um, you know, a lot of the time we're stuck in our own heads, our thoughts, our limiting beliefs, etc., etc., and we just don't know how to get out of that. A life coach is going to help you move forward and get to where you want to be much quicker. Nobody needs a life coach, but it's a bit like the express checkout. You're still going to get there. You're just going to get there quicker with the help of a coach. They can help you look at um, your situation from a different perspective, view things differently. Um, yeah, and, and help you get clarity on what it is that you want. Excellent. So nobody needs a life coach. No but it can help you get to where you want to get to quicker. Yeah. I like that. So there's a lot of different people in very different, with very different approaches that use the term life coach. Mm -hmm. Yes, so, so a life coach is someone who... Coaches you through life. Excellent. <laughs> so let's break that down a bit further. What's a coach? What do you see your role as a coach as? Yeah, um, I see my role as a coach to nurture, guide, perhaps. Definitely not 
advice. I'm not an advisor. I don't advise people what to do. I'm never going to tell people what to do. Um, <clears throat> I believe that we all know what's best for us inside ourselves and that's different. What's right for me is not going to be right for you. So when we turn to people and friends, etc., for advice and they're giving it with absolutely the best intentions, it doesn't mean it's the right answer for us. So <clears throat> a coach is not about giving advice, but it is about helping you find what's right for you and helping you unlock that and get to that yourself. Excellent. Sounds powerful. Mm. Mm. It is powerful. So you said one of the main things that you coach people through is uh, how to, was it reprioritize themselves prioritize. after a breakup? Yeah. And you feel you're well placed to do that because you've had some success doing that for yourself. Yes, I don't think, but let me clarify, I don't think that a coach has to have experienced that to be able to coach you because, as I say, it's not about giving advice. Hmm. I felt like it was a, a a good niche for me to narrow to because I can relate to the journey. So I don't need to relate to the journey, but I think it helps. And I think when someone is coming to you and they know that you've been there, that helps that bond and rapport sometimes yeah i think it definitely helps from a marketing perspective as well because you can really get you your messaging your out there based yeah. on your personal experience but the question i was going to ask following that is yeah. what is success to you because success means different things to everyone yeah. you described your experience as as coming through that successfully mm -hmm. with some success so what is success how would you define it um, yeah, that's really interesting, actually, because I think anyone that comes out of a breakup, you know, anyone's going to have a successful journey because they've done it and they've survived it. So that's a success, the fact that you've survived that. So I don't want to sound like, oh, I did an amazing job at, you know, I had challenges with it, but I didn't let it control me and have a hold over me. And I think that's the bit that I feel I did fairly successfully. So... Um, I have children, um, so I've got children with my ex-husband, and I managed that relationship quite well, so we still communicate about things. Obviously, again, there's been challenges there, but I would say that, for the most part, that is a successful relationship. Um, what I have, you know, the, the growth in my personal journey has been relatively, relatively successful. You know, I've processed lots of stuff. So this is coming on three years for me now, and I would say that, yeah, I've I've managed to be with those feelings and, um, yeah, and come out the other side relatively unscathed. Excellent. Through that journey, what's been the biggest challenge for you? What was the hardest thing for you to overcome? Um, going through with it, having the courage in the first place to leave my marriage. So for people who are watching this, who are either in that place themselves or maybe not relationship wise, but mm. there's something that they know they want to change, they need to change for themselves and for their own reasons, but they're struggling with the courage to do it. Obviously, I'm not asking you to advise them, but from your experience, what, what would you go back and tell yourself when you were in that place? Um... I would tell myself that it will be okay and that I can do it because I uh, for a long time told myself I can't do this I can't do this um, and 
was in that stuck place that I talked about and didn't couldn't see a way out um, and doing it was hideous and terribly painful <laughs> uh, but it it is okay and much better there is there is that light at the end of the tunnel what helped you to see that what helped you have that change from I can't do this to I'm doing this um I think I had ignored it for so long so I was unhappy for about four years um and then I realized that I had to face it so I faced my um my challenge I suppose uh and then lots of stuff came up with that and you know on a very personal level you know I went to a counsellor to talk about that because I wanted to stay with my husband so I wanted to sort of fix myself, you know, and then I went there and realised that there was lots of things I was very unhappy about. So, you know, I started the process of talking to him about it and we did some counselling. And I guess I got to a point where I just knew nothing was going to change. So for me to actually make that jump, I had to get to the point where I knew I had tried everything. There was nothing left for me to try. So I think, I don't know, perhaps there was, but I think there was, there wasn't. Um, and so I had to do it. So what was the biggest lesson you took from that for yourself? Hmm. Biggest lesson. I, I don't know what the, hmm. Cause what I want to say is that I should have done it sooner as in I should have faced it sooner. Um, but is that a lesson? Because that's more of a reflection, isn't it? Perhaps the lesson is if something, if something has been bothering you for so long, actually address it. Mm. And that Rather can be hard, can't it? ignore it. Yeah, it's really tough. It's ugly. <laughs> What's the first step for that? What, what, obviously before you can address it, you have to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. So... Is there anything that you would do differently going forward to make sure that you are more aware and acknowledging those things that you need to be addressing? There's loads I do differently, but I'm a completely different person to who I was back then. My journey since then is uh, on, a, on a personal growth level has been immense. So yes, there's lots I do differently. I would say I was much wiser now. Obviously, I've had that experience and we, we learn and grow from our experiences. So as you say, the awareness of that is um the first step and i was aware i was just uh i was just trying to ignore it i think um so yeah i guess i was aware the difference what i would do next time is just address it sooner you said there that your your personal growth mm -hmm. since that experience has been huge and i get the impression a lot of that was because of that experience, and that, that difficult time that you went through. What's been the driver behind that growth and that change? Well, I guess partly, um, not what the driver is, but partly because I've had a huge amount of growth. I, I don't think you can go through big events like that without growing and changing to a certain degree. You, you learn from that experience, but for me, because so uh, because I went into coaching after that, that's all about you know I can't 
help my clients and go somewhere that I haven't been myself. So when I'm learning about all that stuff, I'm applying that to myself as well. So my growth has been huge, but that happened, yes, that happened because of that experience. I wanted to go into coaching for many years and um, I sort of had taken on uh, other people's uh, beliefs about that, whether I would do it, whether I could do it, whether I should do it, the fears about being self-employed and the risk that comes with that, etc., etc. And so I'd taken them on as my own and literally the month that me and my husband agreed that we were going to separate, I went to London and did my first course in, in coaching and have never looked back. So it really was a bit like this tie being cut and then I was free and, and off I went and I didn't have those limitations anymore. Um, I don't feel like it was a driver, it was more like a, a being free to do so. To just be me and do what I want to do. So in your perception, what was it that stopped you from being free beforehand? Because I took on other people's beliefs as my own. Beliefs about uh, being self-employed, beliefs about myself as a person, and whether I would do it. Um, yeah, and they, it sort of made me think, hold on, those aren't, that's not what I think. I know that I'm going to enjoy this. I know that I'll be good at this. You know, I'm great with people. I love people. People have naturally always come to me as their sort of agony aunt since I was at school. Um, so, yeah, it was quite a shift in realising that they weren't my own and that I can do what I want to do. So during that, you said um, that you can't help someone go somewhere that you've not been yourself. Mm -hmm. And earlier on, yeah. you said that as a coach, you don't have to have experienced yeah. the circumstances and situation that that person's going through in order to help them find their own answers and their own truth. Yes. For the benefit of those listening that see that as a contradiction, yeah. can you clarify what the difference is there and what you mean by that? Yes. So what I mean by I can't help someone that where I haven't been myself, for example, working on my own inner stuff. So, you know, working on those limiting beliefs, working on my inner critic, working on my um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's the inner work that I need to have been able to do myself. It's not the specific experience because even if two people have the same what looks like experience they're going to have experienced that in very different ways so i've never had the same experience as anyone else anyway so yeah i'm i mean i don't need to for example have uh you know i've coached people through grief i've had certain elements of grief but not i i would never have been able to relate to this person with their experience but I don't need to because I can help her with the inner work and how to release those feelings and how to be with those feelings and how to let them go and how to, you know, manage situations, I suppose. Excellent. So 
the I'm taking from that, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that a key part, if not the key part, of overcoming challenges in whatever form they may be is about doing inner work and uh, working through and releasing emotions around it. Would you say that's right? I'm not sure there's a, a very simple way to to answer that question um yes it's always the inner work but i guess it's it's acceptance of a situation not acceptance of a situation itself because i'm not saying yeah that is what it is deal with it type thing acceptance of how you are feeling around that and then becoming aware of what you're in control of what your choices are around that what influence you can have so i'm probably going to go off on a tangent here nothing to do with the question i can't even remember the question but it's all about being clear on what it is that you want and what control you you have so for example oh let's think a lot of the time when people talk to me and not in a not necessarily in a coaching way but in a you know oh da, 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 and they're really cross about a situation and there's often this sort of blame or projection or and it's about the other person the other people involved in this situation that's all sort of irrelevant it's not irrelevant but the power comes from what you can do about that. You know, what what your choices are, what, how you react, how you act, how you, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess I help bring people back to that bit and where their power is within themselves. I like that. It's very easy to get distracted from that. Um, and it's very easy to to blame other people or other circumstances or situations around you for the things that you are or are not doing. Mm. Um, you know, simple example can be, uh, I, I don't work well in that environment because these people distract me, but you're the one allowing yourself to be distracted. Yeah. So you can either take yourself out of that environment to make it easier for yourself or find ways to work around not being distracted in that environment. Yeah. But it's looking at what yeah. you have the control over. Blame's a funny thing, isn't it? Mm. Blame is something that we do naturally, um, a lot of. And if we're not blaming someone else, we're blaming ourselves. Mm. And yet I've never really known blame to move anything forward. No. See, whatever your situation, whatever you're going through right now, whatever, wherever you're at, whatever bad choices you've made in the past. Now I say bad choices, a choice is just a choice. It's not until you know what the outcome is that you know whether it was a good one or a bad one and that's still based on your own perception of it. But anyone else that was in that same situation with the same feelings and the same environment and the same beliefs and the same everything else is gonna make those same decisions. So blaming yourself for making those decisions doesn't help and doesn't move you forward. Recognizing what was 
what could have been better or what could have moved you forward or what could have had the desired result from those decisions and choices and recognizing that it's in your power to change and to control what you do next and what your future actions and decisions are that's where the power lies Mm. it's moving away from blame and moving towards something else how does one do that like how do you what's the first step to stop blaming other people and blaming circumstance Mm. and start taking control of it for yourself and blaming yourself like uh like you say i think a huge amount of people blame themselves for things um and i did that as well what's it's practicing i think what's the first step i guess as you say recognizing that it's not it's there's no benefit it's not beneficial at all to be placing blame it doesn't help a situation and if you can recognize that i think it's easier to move on from that um, it's a bad habit that many people do, and there's. I'm not entirely sure what it gives us. What does it give us? Yeah. Uh, it gives us a defence. It gives us uh, the ability to appear superior among our peers. So, uh, you know, from an evolutionary standpoint, when we look at why do humans act the way they do, it's good to kind of break it down and simplify it because we just complicate everything with our modern society and culture. Um, so on a base level, um, if something goes wrong, you don't want to be seen as the responsible party because if you are, you're weak, you have less power and less influence because people aren't going to listen to the guy that gets things wrong. So you want to be seen as being strong. The perception of strength in that sense is is that you're correct, you know, infallible. You, you, mm. If you make mistakes, that's weakness. Now, anyone who's done that in a work uh, and is in a good place or has worked through some challenges will recognize that weakness or mistakes rather are not a weakness then they're, they're actually part of what makes you stronger and the mistakes are a brilliant thing to make because they're learning opportunities but so i think that's really interesting because your initial thing is to mm. talk about blaming others and i do wonder if that is a very very general um historical male female thing because my initial thing is about blaming myself mm-hmm. and I think women mothers etc tend to do that quite a lot more that's uh, an interesting comment so one thing I would say to that is let's not group women and mothers as the same mm-hmm. in this context um so obviously in any context really mm-hmm. but the, the reason I specify is that that is as the primary carer for a child, which generally speaking is the mother, um, to be, I was gonna say to be good at that, that's that's not necessarily fair, but in my opinion, my stance on that is that, and, and the, the mums I see that I recognize in my personal values as having done a good job, tend to take more of a step back. They look at a child misbehaving and go, what can I do to change this situation? Mm. You know, what what's happened, not necessarily me, but what's happened in this environment that has encouraged him to act or react in that way, him or her. Um, and so as a result, as a mum, I think it becomes a lot more natural and well-practiced to take that step back and look at the environmental factors. You know, because if your kid's 
running around like a mad person at, when it's bedtime and that's happening consistently, you're not going to start just yelling at the kid for it. You're going to look at, okay, well, maybe we should stop feeding him panda pop at <laughs> six o'clock in the evening or whatever it might be. Um, so I think circumstance helps to train that behavior mm. to an extent. But I think mothers. in general, like it's in women's nature. We, like you say, calling us caregivers, we were, you know, we mm. stayed back at the, you know, cave yeah. to cook and look after and and the men went out so i think we, that was our role it was yeah so yeah perhaps i shouldn't have said women and mothers but it it like i think i went inwards with blame yes and you went outwards with blame i wouldn't necessarily assume that less men do that per se mm -hmm. certainly from it was just interesting from, it was just interesting. yeah from my purely from my first-hand experience as a therapist and looking at the clients that I work with, I actually find a lot of men that blame themselves mm. for stuff in, in a big way. But as the, you know, again, playing to stereotypes here, but men have to be strong and have to be firm. Mm. So they don't want to admit that weakness and that vulnerability. So they tend to then become more defensive and potentially even aggressive with it. Um, you know, there's a client that I was working with fairly recently who fits that description perfectly. You know, they 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 brush off compliments very, very quickly and very easily and don't even question them or think twice about them because they don't really want to accept them. They don't really buy into them. Um, but then they see that whenever something goes wrong, it's always their fault and everyone's blaming them. Mm. And actually, if you speak to those other people, they're not. <laughs> But his perception is that he's always the one getting the blame. Yeah. Um, and that largely comes down to the fact that he's got huge insecurities. there. But as this strong male figure, and you may consider this to be unfair, but I'm talking about him as a personal mm. individual example. Uh, as this strong male figure, he has to carry the weight of the world on his shoulders. He can't show weakness in front of his wife because that would get her down and bring his stresses and problems to her. And that's not fair. And, and so he builds up and builds up this kind of perception of this pillar of strength, but inside he is blaming himself for everything. Mm -hmm. And even when he yells and takes out his stress on Fred down the road or his kids or whatever, um, although that's what's coming out externally, internally he's doing that to build that barrier and create that shield to protect himself from the fact that he actually feels like it's his fault and he knows that he needs to do some work on that. That's typical projection there, isn't it, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> so we keep talking about inner work. What does that mean? For people who aren't coaches and aren't interested in like those waffly terms, what, what's inner work? Well, it's exactly that. It's stop blaming yourself for stuff. It's just being in the... Pre it's releasing... Any of that stuff that stops you from being in the present moment, enjoying your life, doing what you want to be doing, etc., etc. Do you need me to elaborate more? Uh, it's, it's the releasing. Um, so what does that actually mean, to, to release? Like, it's spoken about an awful lot, especially mm -hmm. in, in mindset and coaching and so on. But... Release it, to let it go, to stop it having a hold over you. So... You know, to use my example, when I separated from my husband, 
I literally felt that I let go of other people's beliefs and opinions on what I could do with my life and what I wanted to do with my life and whether I would make that work, etc, etc. I literally had to let that go to be able to move on with that. And how, how does one do that? <laughs> with lots of work. <laughs> Working with a coach. Yeah, it's, they pay you lots of money and then they feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. It's, um, I, I think with stuff like that, it just takes a lot of awareness and then a lot of practice. Like self-growth, personal growth, is ongoing all the time, forever. And the more you give it your attention, the further you move forward. So, as I said, you know, nobody needs a life coach. Nobody needs to do personal growth. It sort of happens anyway. But if you don't, if there's something specific, so for example, if there's something holding you back that stopping you from moving forward, if that really is having a hold on you, unless you do look at it and give it some work, you're probably not going to move forward, not in the same way, until you turn inwards, do the inner work, look at that stuff, work out you know, where it's coming from, what, it, what, what that gremlin is, what it sounds like, why, you know, ask questions, just get really, really curious about it. And then when you understand, I think when you understand it, which you're only going to get some of that understanding from working with it, looking at it, asking the questions, then you can release some of that hold over yourself because, because it's not this scary thing anymore. You know what it is. You know where it's coming from. You might have worked out why. And if you can address that with, you know, a lot of the time it's just a belief as opposed to a fact. So... I was talking about this this morning um, on a call and, you know, we, it's really helpful to fact check things. So I was talking about self-doubt and um, allowing it to lead us to self-belief. And the thing is with self-doubt, it's all these, you know, voices in our head. But most of the time we don't have any evidence for that. It's just a belief. It's a fear. It's our primal lizard brain trying to keep us safe and keep us quiet. If you go out and look for evidence to support that, you're probably not gonna find very much. If you look for evidence to support why you can do something or the opposite of whatever the thing is, it's difficult if I'm not gonna give you a specific example, isn't it? You know, it's, it makes it more real. Recognizing that difference between beliefs and looking for facts to support them. Mm. Or de-support them, disprove them. Mm. But if we hold certain beliefs, then we're more likely to look for, acknowledge and agree with um, evidence that supports those beliefs mm -hmm. and more likely to dismiss those that don't agree with our already existing belief. Yeah. So how does one control for that? Because if it's something that you are wanting to work on, that you don't want to be having a hold over you, then you're not going to be wanting, you know, if you're looking at it from a more logical place, okay, I'm going to address this, I want to be able to, I don't know, I want to be able to do a Facebook Live because I want to talk about this thing that's very important to me. 
and you've got all of these fears because you know doing Facebook Live is putting yourself out there, isn't it? Which is a scary thing to do. It's, it's potential danger. It's risks in your primal brain, and so you know you you might have all these voices, or people think you're stupid. You might you know forget to say what you want to say. You don't know what you're talking about. No one's going to watch it. No one's going to like it. You know your friends will think you're stupid, etc., etc. Well start fact checking the stuff you don't want to find facts to support that stuff unless you you know really keen on stopping yourself from doing it if you're serious about addressing that issue okay pause for a minute well if you haven't done a facebook live before then you don't know that you're going to fail at that you don't know that you're going to stutter your words you don't know that nobody's going to watch it so those are our beliefs well what are your facts what is your evidence so you can't find supporting evidence for those beliefs you say well you haven't done it yet and then you just need to try and switch that to ask yourself well what evidence do i have am i going to talk about something that i don't know what i'm talking about no how can i uh, make myself feel more confident about this well i you know i talk to my friends about it and i never stutter my words because i'm really excited about it so they like hearing it actually they like you know people tell me that i should be doing this then you go and start finding the evidence for that mm. but you have to want to of course and the great thing is a lot of those fears are not only unfounded but actually when you really look at them for what they are for the reality of it rather than the emotive fear of it mm. actually they can be benefits in some way so what if no one watches it well if no one watches it great yeah. you've had so some practice and you don't need to care about the, the potential reactions you might get. Mm. You've put yourself out there and you've done it. Like, that's not a bad thing. In that, if, if anything, it means that, well, the next time you do it, it's no longer your first Facebook Live. Mm. So you've already got some experience and it's going to be easier the next time. When you stop and break these things down and, and actually question them and look at them, everything becomes a lot more, a lot easier to process and deal with than when you just run away and hide from them. Right? Yeah. And run away with stories in your head and catastrophize it. Absolutely. Which we all are very good at. So that's about all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. But before you go, yeah. oh, if the whole world was your audience right now, what one message would you want to share with the world in this moment? Ooh, one message. I would probably want to ask you or get yourself to ask yourself whose life you're living because I know I wasn't living my life for me and that was so you know obviously I'm coming from a, a personal point of view but I you know are you happy in what you're doing right now we have this one life are you living it for yourself? Are you living it for what other people want to do? And I think this is the reason this message is so important for me is because freedom is so important to me. Freedom is my absolute top core value. And so, and I think the older you get, the more you feel like, well, this is, you know, one life and it's going quicker as you get older. And so am I doing what I want to be doing? As long as you're not Ted Bundy, <laughs> then I would say don't go doing what you want to be doing. But, you know, it doesn't, if you're not hurting anyone else, then you should absolutely be able to live the life you want to live. And so, yeah, I guess I would encourage you to say, 
Whose life am I living right now? Am I happy? What could I do? What am I in control of to, to do more things that make me happy? Beautiful. So ask yourself that question right now. And then once you have, head to Zoe Knight Coaching on Facebook if you want to find out more from Zoe. Yeah. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me.